This is the Everything EV Podcast by EV Powered. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Everything EV Podcast, the podcast dedicated to everything electric. I'm your host, Charlie Atkinson, and in these episodes we'll be discussing everything to do with electric travel. So whether it be cars, bikes, boats, or even planes, we'll have it covered. We'll also be speaking to people from within the industry to get their views on the EV space, as well as other features such as electric car reviews, electric motorsport coverage, and much, much more along the way. This podcast is available on all streaming platforms, so be sure to subscribe to wherever you get your podcast from to receive every single episode as soon as it's released. And please do go back and check out all our other episodes too. In this episode, we're joined by Harvey Sinclair, the CEO and founder of EV charging firm eEnergy. Harvey joins us today to discuss the journey of eEnergy, its plans to electrify the UK's public sector, and he outlines what the long-term vision of the company is. So Harvey, thanks for talking to us today. Now, just to kick things off, could you just talk to us a little bit about eEnergy and how you'd best describe what the company offers? Okay, uh, so we describe eEnergy as a digital energy services business. Um, we're on a mission to make net zero possible, but also profitable for all organizations. So. What does that really mean? Well, we think the, the, the landscape for companies and generally organizations, by which I mean sort of public sector, are uh, overwhelmed and intimidated about you know, what to do, how to do it, and how to fund it. And that might be everything from procuring clean energy to generating clean energy to transitioning to EV charging um, or, or, or addressing energy wastage. So what we've set up is a um, end-to-end solutions provider Uh, focused on uh, helping companies reduce energy wastage, switch to clean energy and migrate to a net zero transition through EV. And now just to focus on you a little bit, how long have you been involved with the company? Have you been there from day one? Yeah, I founded the company 2013. Um, We started off life as an energy efficiency business, providing um, self-funded energy efficiency solutions to um, the education sector and then increasingly through to um, commercial industrial. So um, we've, we've seen quite a transition in our own business. We floated on the London Stock Exchange two years ago. Um, we've acquired um, four businesses. And so we're now, you know, um, 150 people across UK and Ireland. Okay, perfect. And when you talk about how you've sort of overseen that transition to electric vehicles, obviously you said you started the company in 2013. So when you think about how the EV industry was nine years ago to where it is today, do you remember a specific turning point for the industry where EVs went from this sort of futuristic gimmick, if you like, to the future of transport? Yeah, so you're right. EV was very much a discretionary purchase. It was very much a uh, almost like an early adopter, almost luxury item, um, something that you know we've seen in most most early adoption curves of technology. Um, it's, it's almost like going back to that mobile phone era when people walk around with sort of suitcase batteries and and you know f- phones of the size of size of briefcases. Yeah, they were very much early adopters. I would say, for me, two years ago, um, beginning of lockdown was really a tipping point. I would say for companies and organisations starting to think more about their social consciousness around net zero and ev rather than it being um something that was discretionary and have you noticed a correlation between the sort of upshift in demand for evs to a growth in demand for your business and for e-energy yeah i would say the real the real 
pivot point for us was uh, six to nine months ago. Um, and if I'm really honest, I think um, that's partly down to the natural cycles of assets being financed, partly as a result of the fuel crisis and the energy crisis. I think they've all been creating like a perfect storm. Um, up until that point, you know, people were confused about how to access um, electric vehicle. And I think with the government salary sacrifice scheme and the incentives that exist and the availability of infrastructure, I think all of a sudden, yeah, there's been an acceleration. Um, so I would, for me, really, in the last 12 months, uh, that's when we've seen, you know, just explosive demand, um, hence the reason why we accelerated the launch of our CPO network. Okay, great. And now you touched on this a little bit earlier on about some of the milestones that the company has reached so far. And I was looking into e-energy earlier on and I went onto the latest news section on, on your website and it seems like there's there's been big announcement after big announcement recently. So it seems like it's a really, really exciting time for the company at the moment. And one thing I did want to touch on out of all of those announcements was your partnership with EO Charging. So could you just go into a bit of detail on that partnership and, and what that sort of means for the business? Yes. So we've one of our one of our largest customers on the energy procurement management side is Instavolt. Um, and we we provide the power to all of in, the Instavolt network across the UK. And so we've been sort of collaborating with um, I guess the, the the founders and management C suite of that business for some time, talking about you know their vision for the future and their their views on how we might best optimize our client base, which is predominantly public sector, but also increasingly multi-site. Um, and we very much thought that AEC was the route to go for our client base. And we were introduced to Charlie um, about a year ago. We started building out sort of our strategy with him. We, we, we did look at a number of other players in the market, but what I liked about Charlie was the, you know, the entrepreneurship that that business has um, under his leadership, but also UK centric, um, strong software, um, sort of the Amazon kind of connection, the fleet expertise. So, uh, you know, there was a chemistry there that, that we thought was a good cultural fit. Um, but also, you know, the due diligence proved that they were, you know, top, top tier manufacturer and software platform. So um, for me, it was all around trying to secure something exclusive in the education sector um, and, and use that as our if you like, um, springboard into the market. Yeah, and when you talk about EV charging for the public sector, you touched on this a little bit earlier on, and obviously a lot of e-energy's work is in this sector. Now, when it comes to EV charging and, and EV infrastructure as a whole, a lot of the focus is always on public and, and residential charging solutions, but the public sector is such a large piece of the puzzle, but it, it seems to me that it's, it's rarely spoken about and it's largely ignored to, to some extent. So. How important is it for the public sector to be electrified as well? I mean, look, you've got it. We, 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 we think we've got access to the largest market for charging in the UK. I mean, there are a million people working in the education sector supporting, you know, what I would call students, um, whether that's um, teachers or whether it's support staff across schools, public or private, right the way through to universities. So um, firstly, that's just one part of the public sector, you know, and what we love about the public sector is it's capital constrained it is procurement governed 
compliance governed, emotionally and socially responsible around their net zero demands, but they um, they don't have the sophistication that a lot of the large, what I would call corporate infrastructure businesses have. So they, uh, for me, they're the perfect hunting ground. The market's vast. Um, everything from fast charges in universities, I'll come on to rapids in a minute, but just the workplace, what I would call daytime charging, evening charging, you know, four hour slot stints, two to four hour slot chargers. For me, we can build the largest charge point operating network in the UK just by focusing in on our niche areas. So we, um, we're developing a relationship with what we think is you know, the top tier rapid um, charging technology provider, which is Tritium. Um, and we're, we're building out um, a sort of a strategic plan whereby we can effectively white label um, you know, a tritium solution into our uh, overall e-charge as a service um, plan. Um, and we're looking to, yeah, we, we have an aspiration to have, I think, 100 rapids within the, within the first 12 months up and running across hospitals, schools, universities and our commercial businesses. Yeah, and when you talk about those aspirations, obviously the headline of the announcement with EO was to have 50,000 workplace charges by 2030. And I mean, when you say 2030, that's such a significant date in the diary when it comes to the EV industry. So if we just focus on that date for a little bit and that year, what is the blueprint for e-energy leading up to that year? And what's the sort of long-term aim and long-term vision of the company? Well, I mean, look, I want a network of between 30 and 50,000 um, AC charging units uh, in my e-charge network in the UK and Ireland alone. Um, I mean, just to put that into context, within 48 hours of launching, we'd already found homes for our first 200 chargers. Um, so we've probably gone to market with investment grade proposals for around 1,000 chargers already in the last three weeks. Um, so I think we've, we can see that within our customer base that we've got the appetite and the, um, the sort of the inherent marketplace to deploy somewhere between you know, three and 5,000 charges a year quite comfortably. Um, on rapids, are like 1,000 um, across the uh, UK and Ireland within the next six, seven years. Um, and then we are very much on a European global expansion to other markets once we've once we've sort of secured our strategy in the UK. And just on the subject of those ambitions and those goals, speaking objectively now, what have, what have been some of the most significant challenges that you've you've faced so far, and what challenges do you almost expect to face down the line? I think they're in three parts. One is a reliable supply chain. Okay. So having owned a manufacturing business in the past that's gone from being a batch manufacturer to a high volume, high quality, consistent uh, manufacturer at volume and scale, I think access to supply chain is key okay? and access to re reliable, you know, just in time delivery, um, consistency of quality and support. So that's probably the first one. The second is, um, you know, building a framework of high quality, reliable um, install, install partners that can deploy at pace and at scale um, and, and within a consistent pricing framework that gives our customers something consistent regardless of geography. And then thirdly, um, for us, because we provide a funded solution, um, just making sure that our, um, our funding capabilities can meet the demand of our customers. Um, so yesterday we signed an extension of our um, our funding facility to include EV 
um, and other tech, principally principally EV and metering, because as you know, we have a cloud-based um, smart metering platform as well. Um, and our partners are Europe's largest energy efficiency provider, uh, sorry, energy efficiency funder for um, energy efficiency solutions and renewable sort of solutions. And that's a company called Suzy. So we've, we've just secured, um, it's a temporary um, 10 million pound extension just to cover the next two or three months. Um, but my intention is to secure, um, you know, a hundred million pound SPV with them to cover these technologies, most of which will be um, EV, I have to say, across the public sector in particular. Um, and that availability of that is probably one of the driving scaling factors of our business. Just, just going back to what you said earlier, where obviously the public sector is such a massive market to electrify and, and to introduce EV charging infrastructure into. So I was just wondering if you've had any sort of conversations with government at all and, and if you've had any support from them whatsoever. No, but I, look, it's something that I would embrace rapidly because I think we do need to collaborate. Um, so I think I think there is there is some government support needed to fast track what I would call red tape. Um, it is not easy to move at pace within the public sector if you don't have what I would call um, you know a supportive infrastructure around you, around governance and around compliance and procurement and and just the, the ability to just move move at scale is really important. So I would really like um, yeah to start engaging with. Uh, we don't have a um, Sort of, a, sort of a short-term, if you like, communication plan up and running, but I think it's something we need to kickstart quite quickly. Just on the subject of government as well, obviously one of the biggest talking points in the EV industry at the moment is the recent announcement of the government's goal to to have 300,000 chargers installed by the end of the decade. And obviously there was a significant investment to go with that as well. And now since, since that announcement, there's been a bit of a mixed reaction to the news where some people have said that it's the announcement the industry has waited for for, for years now. And, and some people are saying it's not ambitious enough and it doesn't go far enough. So as someone who is directly involved in the industry, I just wondered what side of the fence you sit on with that. Not enough, not fast enough, my view is. You know, it's, um, I still feel our government's on the back foot. I think we're reacting rather than being um, strategically proactive. I think um, overall, the government doesn't understand um, the practicalities of what it really means to commercialise energy efficiency or renewables. Um, they've been too focused on, I think, infrastructure grade solutions, so wind, wind farms, ground mount, and they'd be very keen to sort of support and drive through initiatives that get scale in those areas. But actually, you know, 90 plus percent of the net zero target can only be achieved at what I call the private wire, you know, uh, behind the meter solution. So unless you're putting, unless you're putting solar, for example, behind the meter, direct to direct to your, um, you know, your 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 kind of demand generation or your demand curve on a building, and you're supporting both the renewable generation of that site and addressing the energy wastage of that site and using that as a virtual circle with EV. You know the the governments have not 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 got a chance to make the net zero targets, and until they start realizing how they need to support compliance, governance, and loosening the the red tape to allow the commercial sector to fund more readily, um, you know, across the public sector, they're going to get caught out yet again. I mean, they had a, a complete disaster with the public sector, you know, decarbonisation scheme, 
where 93% of all applications across the education sector were rejected. You know, and they've they've stumbled into they've stumbled across the heating, the electrification of heating, which is just so practically, um, you know, difficult and complicated. I think the same is going to happen with EV. Whilst you're on the subject of that, obviously you said the government hasn't gone far enough with its announcement and that it's, it's not ambitious enough ultimately. So from your perspective, what would you like to have seen included in that package? What was it what was it missing in your mind? There needs there needs to be a lot more there, there needs to be a lot more incentivization around taxation and um, t- tax breaks and incentive schemes for um, the commercial sector, but also for the public sector to have their red tape loosened because it's very difficult. I mean, we we navigate it successfully, but we could do ten times more volume in the public sector if it was um, if, if the regulation of funding commercially into the public sector was easier um, and less restrictive and less governed. Um, and I think the same applies to the commercial sector. I think it needs it needs more tax incentives, not just linked to EV, um, because I think at the moment, you know the the, 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 the confusion that exists is not helpful. It's not easy to navigate your way through um, the, the, the grants that are available. And I think they're just not deep enough. And I think there's, there's, there should be tax incentives for companies um, to be able to embrace more renewable strategies. Okay, perfect. And now just to finish things up, obviously we touched on this a little bit earlier on as well when we discussed the company's sort of long-term future and the long-term vision of e-energy. But just focusing on the short term for for a little bit, what does the next 12 months or the rest of the year look like? And what can we expect to see from e-energy in the not too distant future? I think quite a lot of um, hero um, rollouts across both healthcare and public sector, some real real showcase um, case studies. Um, Plus also, I think um, quite a lot of dual solar EV solutions being wrapped up for our rollout. So when we go and speak to our customers, we're very much looking about generation as well as um, you know, transitioning to e-charging. E- e- so I think, yeah, lots, lots of combined solar and EV solutions, um, some hero sites, um, and some more partnerships. I think we're looking at developing s- some interesting channels that will scale our business quite rapidly. That's all for this episode. Many thanks for listening. And if you liked it, then please do check out all our other episodes and be sure to subscribe to wherever you get your podcast from to make sure you get every single episode as soon as it's released. For daily news coverage, features and much more, you can also head over to evpowered.co.uk. Thanks once again for listening and we'll see you on the very next episode of the Everything EV podcast.